Hi everybody, Jerry here. Just wanted to jump in real quick and give you a bit of a warning. There is some bad words in this episode. It is not family friendly. So if you are around children or if you're at work and you would rather not hear bad words coming out of your speakers, I would probably turn this episode off right now. All right, you've been warned. Enjoy the episode. This is the Loyal Locals Podcast. Once again, episode, I, th- I think this is three. We've done a couple of these now. Jeez. Wow. My name is Jerry Jimenez. I am the Director of Communications for the Local Supporters Group. And uh, again, I am uh, surrounded by amazing people. Uh, you guys already knew, Drew, know Drew Steck, who is the Vice President, and Mr. Steve Brokoff, the President. Uh... What, what, what are you pointing out, Drew? What is this? What's uh, going on? There's a portrait of Steve's dad in the corner there that looks a lot like a younger Steve. Oh, oh yeah. It's like, kind of like creepily. Like, I just saw Wait. it right as we started recording. Hold on. That's the right haircut. Sure. Oh, no. This What's is, up, guys? Yeah, uh, I'm giving you a live play-by-play here in the field at Steve's parents' house where yes. I just noticed something in a corner that I had to pull out. Yeah, what is that? As we started recording, oh, my attention about, became dude, talk about very the devil. fixated. So here's, a, here's Ron. Is wrong, but for us, it looks, it's very much a ringer also for younger Steve. Very similar. Thank you, Ron. Ron made a cameo, and then he was out. He heard the word podcast, and he left. He's like, I don't want to But there's a, there's a younger Ron right there. Wow. Dude, Steve, so if you shaved, you that's what you would look like. Uh, for sure. My wife, my wife told me, I haven't shaved clean before we well, put put the mic. G- give the mic to Steve. Yeah, uh, I shave. I shaved before we got married, and let, my wife said, "Never do that again. You look like a child." Yeah, so I mean, it happened. I've had a beard ever since, dude. That's what I had too. That's what happened to me too. Oh my god, your mom just literally put three bottles of different. What is it? Casadores tequila. Pa- Pass uh, the Casadores tequila. We were just talking about this too, with our with our special guest for the day. Wow, this podcast started out crazy. Oh, this is amazing. And now I get to sit next to Ron. If you're ever in a baby shower and somebody asks if you want a podcast, that's the right thing to do. Wow. Oh, my God. This is intense. All right. So, guys, we are at Casa Brokoff right now. Um, this is a... Casa Senor Brokoff. Casa Senor Brokoff. Yeah. Uh, Brokoff Senior. Casa Senor. This is a uh, get-together... Here we all got together for actually for Bryson, for Bryson Ronald, huh? Bryce, Bryce, just Bryce. Bryce. I don't know why I'm saying Bryce. He's loyal local number six, yeah. five. What number? Eleven. Eleven. Un, unborn child. The unborn child of our president, Steve Brogoff. That we are aware of at this point. Yeah. And and Lydia Brogoff. Uh, <laughs> so we're here for Bryce's. We're here for Bryce's baby shower. And uh, I feel like I'm an Aztec. Uh, it's craziness. There's a bunch of tequila just being <laughs> brought into this room right now. Uh, that is the sixth. I feel seventh. You know what? I feel at home now with all yeah. this tequila everywhere. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the Casadores. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. We need to take a picture. There's also a giant. Uh, I, I don't know what we we'll call this. It's a macro. It's like a yeah. It's like a macrame type macrame, of. Yeah, actually, yeah. we should have my mom tell the story. Yeah, we'll, we'll close out okay, with get, the story yes, of the you need, okay, okay, you need to bring your mom in here. Eventually, he's a patron saint of tequila. Uh, <laughs> so. 
He's wearing a, he's wearing a sombrero that says San Felipe, Baja California Norte. By the way, that's what BCN stands yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he he he's is holding. Yep, he's holding a couple of like puppets, like the the actual cross. Look at his face closely. It looks like he's been drinking the tequila already. Mm-hmm. The mustache is green. Yeah. So are we what? ACS if they're BCN? Um, Alta California Sur. Alta California Sur. Is that where? You're? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, but but here we are for another episode. <laughs> we went. This is four minutes now of craziness. Uh, we went. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you for still being here. Whatever the opposite of a Patreon episode is. That's what this is. We can give this away. Uh, this yeah. This is whatever you know. We do what we do. Uh, but we figured since we were here. This was not my idea, by the way. This was totally Steve. He said, hey, bring your equipment. And here we are uh, with all this tequila. And uh, not only is Mr. Steve Brokoff and Mr. Drew Steck, who you already know from the previous two episodes. Boring episodes compared to this already. It's boring compared to this one for sure. But we have a very special, very special guest. Uh, Somebody that is, of, of course, we mentioned him in episode number one. He is a part of the locals' leadership. He's actually the director of philanthropy for the locals support group which is the biggest part i think of what this sg is going to be all about it is giving back to the community yes yes and we are here to tell his story so mr tom phillips what's up man hi thanks for having me guys thanks for doing this we did like an hour or so or more of Drinking? Uh, drinking and drinking, baby yeah. shower, and then on the way out, after his mom forced some buka on me, we were like, "Hey, let's go do a podcast." And I went, oh, "Okay." There was, yeah, there was some some buka. Some buka was good too. And, and she doesn't even like black licorice, but she got in on. My wife doesn't even like black licorice, and she got in on the sambuca. So it was very enticing. People really just got pulled in, and here we are recording a podcast. Yeah, it's what happens. Hey, the black licorice is surprisingly good, by the way. Yeah, the people were like, "Nah, nah, 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 nah. it's good." There's way too many bottles of tequila. I feel like <laughs> overwhelmed so, at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's a very intimidating pile over there. Uh, by the way, we said that we would do this each show, and I already opened mine, but I am drinking a L. Smith Brewing Company San Diego Pale 0.394 yeah. beer. Uh, what are you having, Drew? I have, a, I have a Novo Brazil Pool Party Haze San Diego Cali Haze India Pale Ale. I'm enjoying the uh, offering that came to the party from Rip Current, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. Oh. Off the Lip IPA. Shout out to Rip Current. Huge shout out to Rip Current. Yeah. My buddy Jared Rodriguez. Oh, house beer and all night. Very great. piney. It is delicious. Oh, yeah. So cheers to everybody that's listening right now. Cheers I know it's, it's taken us like seven minutes to get into this, but uh, here we are. Oh, man. So... You ready? Sure. All right. Yeah. We got we got some questions for you. I got I got answers. <laughs> so your love for the beautiful game. Where uh, where does that start off, man? Let's see here. Um, it, it, I think it starts. Off, I'm the I'm the son of a naval aviator, and I I was you know basically served a life sentence in the navy before I grew up and moved around a lot when I was young. And the one constant that I had as a young young kid, like four or five, six years old, was soccer. And so I picked up the game, not with any kind of tactics or skill or anything, just loving running around, being a little heathen as an AYSO K-Division youngster. And then uh, that took me to, uh, you know, eventually all-star teams and then travel teams, CYSA, uh, shout out to the Benita Rebels, uh, played you know, varsity in high school, and then uh, got away from the idea of running and practicing and started uh, 
I coached for a little bit. I was a varsity girls coach at Castle Park in uh, 05 and 06. And since then, mostly as a, as a fan. You know, my, mm-hmm. my, my brain loves the game. It is willing, but my body is no longer able. The knees don't cooperate. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, listen, we, we all kind of get to uh, uh, a certain point. Like, I can't play. I can't play. I've never been able to play. But we all get to a certain point where we're like, all right, um, the dream of being a soccer superstar is probably not going to happen. Yeah. That happened for me when I was like 14. Uh, and then you get to where you're like, you know what? The soccer, soccer uh, supporter culture is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and we talked about this actually in episode I one. Stand. I can stand for, I can maybe stand for 90 you know, minutes. 90 minutes. <laughs> that's, that's what I can do. Yeah, yeah. I can do that. What works best for me is my, my voice, you know? I, yeah, I, can, exactly. I, can, I can sing. My voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, thank you. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I... Looking back on like high school sports, we had fans, and I didn't think of them as a supporter culture or a group or a gr- like that. But we had that in high school, and I, as a player, I remember like how much it was to see my friends up there yeah. hollering at us and participating in the game vicariously like that. And that was, I think, maybe that's my gateway drug to this whole thing, because mm-hmm. you know the teams I followed when I was a young kid. There was, I mean, there was pro soccer here. We had the soccer's in San Diego, uh, outdoor and indoor when I was really young, but. Uh, you know, I've always been an, an EPL Bundesliga fan, and in the '80s, that meant that you got soccer reports mm-hmm. when a random VHS tape came in at the, at the soccer store, or when the magazine, like the Sporting Times, came in on a Sunday. You know, so that so there wasn't like that active idea of supporting didn't really kick off for me, and probably until the until the American Outlaws or Sam's Army to an extent, but the American Outlaws is where I've really learned this phase of my fanhood. So we were talking about in episode one how kind of everybody in San Diego, and clearly that's generalizing it, but the majority of San Diegan uh, people who support the sport have an EPL team. Steve doesn't because he chooses not to. Incredibly But you do. I do, yeah. Where did your love for Liverpool come come in and how did did that happen? Uh, You know, I, I, I think it really dials down to I had a... My sophomore year in high school, which was 19, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a coach that wore a Liverpool long sleeve candy. His name was Russ Schubert. He's a bit of a legend in San Diego County. Uh, and I know he's coaching CAF teams, and I want to say Granite Hills, but I could be wrong on there. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But uh, he, was a, he, had a, he wore a red long sleeve Liverpool jersey that said candy on it. And my cousin and I had, had watched Liverpool video years before that, like 85, 86, I remember choosing, not choosing, but I remember recognizing in the mid eighties that Liverpool was a strong club. And this was, mm-hmm. you know, before Hillsborough and before some of the, uh, the real hooliganism and the, and the, you know, European bands and, and EPL soccer. But I remember choosing Liverpool because they were a strong club and they played a soccer that I recognized then. And then it was solidifying when I was watching my coach, Russ Schubert, he, he used to make us do reports every week on a Bundesliga team. Like, he would pick for us when we were freshmen and sophomores. He chose teams for us. And we would have soccer practice on a Monday, and then we'd have, we called it like a chalk talk. And one of the underclassmen things you had to do was you had to get up and you had to give this report about the status of your team. And I still remember my, my team was Werder Bremen. And so I could get up on a Monday afternoon after soccer practice, after running 5K or whatever, and give a short 30-second in front of my whole team about what Werder Bremen had done that week, who had scored, things like that. And then in the back of my head, I always had the Liverpool report kind of hoping that coach would ask me. 
something about Liverpool and I could kind of like, Hey, I could, I'm, I got this too. Because, you know, I'm not going to lie as a sophomore in high school, I was, I was fighting for game time. So anything that would, you know, polish the coach's boots probably couldn't hurt at that point. Yeah. So following it weekly, the beginning of me following Liverpool weekly was probably 1990. And then all the way through some, you know, some good times and some dark times and lately some pretty fucking good times. It <laughs> sounds, sounds like a strategic move. It, it, it definitely was a strategic was at move point, yeah. <laughs> at that point. Cool. True. You have a question? Well, I was going to say, it sounds like a lot of your journey, Tom, just from what you said here and what I've come to know from you has been built around the sport connecting you to other people. And yeah. connecting, you know, from just your time as a kid with the sport as well as your time as an adult is me and you being connected, you know, Right. Going in this room, being connected through the sport, mm-hmm. but you specifically seeking out the sport to connect you through to other people, and some yeah, definitely, as, yeah. And so, in that, like, when was the moment where you're like, "This sport and this is going to be my life to connect me to other people"? Because you, you Ooh. to me, are a lighthouse person. That for me personally, coming into AO at least was like, "Oh," and Steve was there, and and you, me, and a few other people. But like, you were definitely there to be a lighthouse person to say, "Hey." You're one of us. I see you. Yeah. And I see you're like me. And I see that I want to connect with you because we align on this. Despite your Spurs, I don't care. Yeah, like this we can agree. Yeah. It's it's we both agree on how this connects people. And I spoke in the first episode no one's listened to because it came out yesterday. Uh, about how I believe in the sport and how it connects people, and that's how I love Spurs. But like to you, it's it's similar. Yeah. I where was so. that I... moment though? Where was the moment that you said for me, it was a house in Milwaukee at like 8 a.m. It was like <laughs> five degrees outside. And I was like, this is my life that now, like forever. When was that for you? Yeah, I don't know if there was like one single moment. Like, like I mentioned earlier, as a young kid, like a Navy brat moving around, it felt like I made friends in the new neighborhoods I was in first with soccer teams or guys playing ball. So five, six years old, young guy, mm-hmm. new kid at the school or at the preschool or whatever. I was connecting to people on teams before I was connecting to people outside of that but the reality here the big thing is i mean 2012 was when i really started following u.s soccer with american outlaws and sitting on that patio with o'brien's having those like you're talking about you're talking about lighthouses i'm talking about people that like dave chamberlain that were a lighthouse to me that welcomed me into that fold and it took me back to you know young junior high school tom playing soccer down in chula vista uh, you know, on Saturdays, I would play in my CYSA club. And on Sundays, I would go south of the border and play in the dirt in TJ. And I really felt like the, the soccer, the football I played in T-class was way more competitive, uh, important, meaningful, if you will, than what I was playing with my organized $1,000 a year club team I was playing with in the north. And so I, I have to say like seventh or eighth grade junior high school connecting to the idea of there were guys that I knew that were coming from south of the border to go to school with me in Chula Vista that were guys I never would have connected with if it wasn't for the game to that's, answer that question. This no, that's, I, I found the same thing through Ricardo for me, for sure. Yeah. So, so Tom, uh, I, I said in episode one that, you know, um, you and I have a, you know, great friendship. But past tense, or we no have. uh, So I know you're having a kid next month, but shit. (laughs) (laughs) Will you still be my friend? Yes. All right, cool. Then we're good. That's my wife. Um, 
Move. So, <laughs> so, um, what was the moment that brought you to the position you're in right now? Because I know this story, oh. but I'd like for you to tell it to everybody, all of our listeners. Uh, I know that you know. You mean uh, what brought me to leadership? Correct. <sighs> oh yeah. That's, yes. All yes. right. Thank you. So I did this thing <laughs> when I was 18 that kind of. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that, but I, I joined a. Uh, federal entity we'll say and it was a it was an exciting four years of my life some of it was tragically boring and some of it was you know piss your pants exciting uh and i got out of that knowing that i was never gonna fucking join anything ever again and i stuck to that through the mid 90s all the way up until i you know until i know i'm honestly 2012 with the outlaws and I was really hesitant to join the Outlaws. I went with a couple of friends of mine to O'Brien's to watch a game, and we were all dressed up because we were U.S. soccer fans. We were dressed up, and we sat. We walked inside the door, which is just for the record. If you're going to go watch a game with the American Outlaws at O'Brien's, you need to sit on the patio. But we walked inside and sat right inside the door and watched the game on the TV there on our red, white, and blue America stuff. And and Chamberlain stopped and bought me a beer. And I don't remember why he bought me a beer, but he just I remember him putting a pliny down in front of me, and I immediately broke out my phone and signed up with the Outlaws. And on the drive home, I was talking to my cousin, and he was laughing at me because I'm very much a, like, I'm not joining shit ever again. <laughs> and so I joined the Outlaws, and that brought some really awesome friendships in my life, some awesome experiences. We've done international travel and had some really fucking amazing times. Yes, sir. And uh, so, you know, when 1904 kicked off, we were all really excited about that, and then it kind of sputtered. didn't die, but sputtered on us when the, uh, when the OSG became a thing and we're all in the room very familiar with that whole story i don't want to dig too deep into that but we were, we were very much on board with what was going on there and i was and i was part of me was like oh i'm gonna get invested in this but don't join this shit because when it goes south and you know the politics of this fucking town and sports you know it's kind of come and when it happened i went oh i knew it and i should join and so uh when they announced loyals they announced ideas of we were gonna start a support well first of all they were we were doing all these meetings and talking to them about what what was loyal and what did we want it to be? And those were great. And I went to a few of those, like but, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I went to those because my friends were going and there was free beer yeah. and I have opinions and I don't mind sharing them even when I'm wrong. So I, I had no problem with that. And then we started having meetings about what local was going to be. And, and this idea of a support group. And I was like, okay, well I'll go sit on the patio with O'Brien's with Steve and have a beer. And as we were sitting there over the course of about a two hour meeting, about an hour and a half in, Steve hands me what I look looking back was kind of the bylaws with descriptions. Yeah, and he kind of nudged me and handed it to me, and I was like, "All right, well, I'll flip through and I'll read this." And I remember sitting there looking at the paperwork and seeing, "Oh, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that." And I got to the bottom, and I was like, "Philanthropy," and I was like, "Oh shit, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can actually do that." But actually, I'd be—it's uh, kind of what I already do at my job as a teacher, in a sense. Yeah, this might be this might be good. And then I kind of gave the paperwork back to Steve and rolled my eyes at him and waited for somebody in that table to like jump up and step up and say, "Okay, I'll do this." And thirty minutes later, when nobody no at the one table did. had, I was like, <laughs> I had a couple more Pliny's, and I was like, you know what? All right, I'll, I'll do this. This is this is my wheelhouse. I think I can do this and do this well and represent, and it'll keep me communicate with my good buds and maybe make some good some new ones. And so yeah, that's that's how I'm here. <laughs> Shout out to Russian River for that. Thank you. <laughs> Russian River Company. Thank you, Tom Nichol. Thank you, guys. 
so yeah, I mean, clearly that resonated with you, Tom. That you know, the, the giving back, the and Tyson. Don't forget yeah. Tyson. Oh, and Tyson. Everybody, shout out to you guys. But it, it, clearly, something about the philanthropy resonated with you. It's something that you have already done, have been a part of, yeah. and and the, the the idea of giving back is something that you are very much for and yeah. you like that idea but where did that come from where, where did your love for that where, where was it like you know what this is something that i'm good at that i'm that i've started doing but where did where did all the the want the the almost need to do that because i feel like we all feel like we need to do this right yeah where did that no, come it's from a, for it's you a calling I, yeah let me see. okay so i come from a family of service going back to great grandparents mm -hmm. you know military navy naval aviation lots and lots of that um, I was a Boy Scout. That probably doesn't hurt the cause. Uh, I'm a teacher. Part of who I am is work, Tom. Is I'm a I'm a social science teacher down in the South Bay at a school called Palmer High School, which is the continuation high school for the Sweetwater Union High School District. And 16 years ago, when I got recruited to work at that school, the teachers in the social science department that had worked there had been there for years and weren't up to the district's current codes on what community service was and wasn't. And so as a young go-getter who had plenty of energy and time on my hands, instead of figuring out this process with all of these people who were all within five years of retiring, I volunteered to be the community service coordinator for the department. And that, in the 16 years since then, has turned into community service coordinator for the school. I mean, I have plenty of co-workers that are, you know, subject matter peers that are doing community service, but my students are coming to me to get their ideas and bringing their proof of service to me. And I'm the one reaching out to the community to verify their service. So I'm calling in a, in a regular week at school, I'm calling 10 or 15 different uh, nonprofit organizations in the South Bay or in San Diego County to verify that my kids did community service with them. And then every chance I get, I push the door further open. So I have other kids that I can send to those same spots. Nice. So yeah. that's, so I have a good, I thought in my head, I have a good connection with a lot of nonprofit organizations north and south of the border that I can give them a call and say, hey, we've got an idea. Can we help you out? Or what do you need to help? And that, you know, to make sure this is done right. Yeah. So it started with, listen, my kids need to do this because it's required of them. Yeah. Um, let's build a relationship. Let's let's build a bridge where we can help you more. You can help us because that's what the kids need to do. Let's but at do the same time, let's help you. And let's do something that matters and affects the community, uh, which is, that's awesome, man. Drew. So my question really summates the fact that we always list philanthropy last is the, the effect of, it was the thing that at our meeting at Thunderhawk, we talked about in our first episode when Jerry was like, Hey, I, instead of being another thing with you guys, I'm going to be with you guys. And we all kind of came together there was a thought that the thing, the one major note there was we wanted to have a director of philanthropy. And it was a note that I think came from Daryl first. Am I wrong? Or it came from you directly? You guys had talked about it though a little bit, I think. And so it came from Steve. And essentially the note was we want to have somebody who's directed to this specific thing. And so that's why it's the last thing because it was just added on. But it was always a focus to say this needs to be a core tenant especially being a nonprofit, especially being something that gives back to the community. Yeah. So really the ethos is how does this summate and make it a part of not just being a supporter, but being a supporter now is not just jumping and singing for 90 minutes. It's also giving back to the community in a way that's tangible. I think certain supporter cultures worldwide have done a good job of making this 
part of them. Barcelona is one that I think does a lot of that within their own community. Big fan uh, because they wore UNICEF on their they, jersey for so many years. They've, they've done a lot yeah. of things that, as a culture, were more tied to their community than, than directly just the football club. And I think that's really what we're into, right? And I think that... Yeah. So how did... The question is, how do we distill that into an ethos, not only just for us as the locals, but helping redefine what a supporter culture looks like here in Southern California? Good question. Um... Um, just a quick caveat to what you're saying. You know, when we first started talking about making this a supporters group and collecting dues, yeah, almost immediately, I think Steve was there, but Daryl and I were having conversations about, we're going to collect dues from people. What are we doing with that? And Daryl and I were bouncing the idea off each other. We should take 5% of everything we earn as a supporters group and put that back towards our philanthropy and our ideas towards that. So I, I got to give a little bit of credit when, when I say I jumped on board to do this. The conversation had already begun and Daryl and I had leaned really towards to making, before I knew there was a director of philanthropy, of saying, we're going to put pressure on this group to, we're going to give back to our community, to, to the border north and the border south, to the, to the hostels in the area, to foster homes, to the One orphanages. It's all, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. so then to answer your question, I think the way that we do this, and maybe this is my philosophy, we'll see if this works or not. I think it will, but yet to be determined. I think we lead by example. Uh, everybody I have talked to so far in the community about what we're going to do as locals with philanthropy has been very much a, listen, we're not looking, and we talked about this earlier tonight, yeah. not putting a big giant locals banner on this. We want to use our group, our family that we're building here uh, to amplify other people's messages and contribute. So if that means giving toys to kids for the Marine Corps, we're on board. If that means giving laces and boots to youngsters, we're on board. If that means we're collecting jackets or plush dolls or backpacks for kids in schools or things for families south of the border or victims of fires or whatever that is, we don't need to be the mouthpiece of that. We just amplify the message and contribute our love and care and concern towards that. And I think that those ideas, as we gain momentum, we will, you know, I hate to say the word recognition because it's not what we're doing here. I think the idea of people say, hey, we have an idea that we need to help the community. Let's make sure we reach out to the right people. And when they say Padres, soccer's, the name on their tongue is locals. Like it, like the Peña Balgrana down in, uh, at Serrano's has a great record of, yeah. of community giving. So when I met with them a few weeks ago, my whole statement with them was, listen, we don't want to take over. We're not trying to do anything different. We want to, we want to be on board with you and help you do what you're doing. What I'm hearing is the vibration from our songs will become a resonation from our wallets, from our hearts, from our efforts, to things that translate into physical, tangible yeah, change mean, for people, right? Like within our community, people who can see things that happen. If the message calls to Trash coming out of a river. People having places to sleep. Sleeping bags for people who don't have things to sleep with. Things that are just tangible differences in the community. I love that. It's really yeah. cool, man. I mean, and that's that's the way it has to go. So it has to be through our own example. Yeah. And slowly building that. That's who we are. And then we gain trust with it within the SG, within the club, within our communities. That's passion takes that's the form do. of compassion. Yeah. Takes passion to make compassion, right? So we're just adding a, a calm yeah. onto the passion to the fellow person, the communication, the com the commiseration. Yeah, and, and I also want to say this, you know, as we were going through this, 
in absolutely no way is this an obligation. If you're a member, we're not making you do these things. If you're hearing something and it calls to you, then by all means help us. But if you want to just be a guy that wants to sit there for 90 minutes and shout your head off, we need that too. You don't, you don't have to give up your old shoes or a jacket that you don't need anymore or, or your time and you'll still be a local. Now, well, this is above and beyond that we're looking for. We just want to make the world a better place one step at a time. Yeah, I think a big part of uh, this from the beginning has always been that, which is we want to we want to give back. We want to make sure that uh, whatever that whatever we're doing right now, it, at the end of the day, what it, wherever that day is, we let we made it better. We made this world better. Uh, we gave back and we we helped grow something that uh, you know otherwise wouldn't have changed and it would have stayed the same. If we can make some change in our community. Uh, and that is including everybody across the border and 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 around, uh, you know that that we're doing that. That's a really important thing too. Is is we don't just want to help out San Diego. We want to help out our, our cross border uh, families as well. And I also said just, you know, we all grew up in our own worlds with our own struggles, doing what we can. And and uh, to to piggyback an idea I saw uh, Christina Birkenrod was talking about, you know, be the thing you needed, be the role model, be the coach, be the you know, be the jacket. Yeah, you know that's kind of think about what you needed as a youngster in your life. What would have made things easier for you, and if that's all it takes to change one kid's attitude in one moment to move them forward, then that's what I want to be. That's what I want the people around me to be. And that's when I want you know when I'm having beers with my friends and I'm smiling at them. It's because we know we're doing good things when we're cheering in the 90th minute. Yeah, so that's awesome. On, on that note, um, yes, be the be the person, be the the family you need. Uh, you and I go back. Um, but I want you to talk about the family that supporter culture has brought to your life, to my life, uh, the bond you and I have made, um, what the outlaws have done for you, not only outlaws, but just the supporter culture, you know, traveling, um, tell some stories, talk about that stuff. (laughs) I don't know how stories I'm going to tell you right now. Um, I mean, I, I, quite honestly, I have friends all over this country because of my connections with the American Outlaws, because of the trips we've been on, because we've been to Seattle, because we've been to Columbus, we've been to Mexico City. Uh, I don't want to start saying names because then I'll forget some of the other ones and I don't want to leave anybody out. But there are, you know, through my very first experience with the Outlaws, meeting a group from San Jose, Paul Luna, uh, and, and going to these, you know, events that were American Outlaw events, night before parties, in San Jose, in San Francisco, in Tacoma, in Seattle, you know, all these places that we've gone to, Columbus. Phoenix, Columbus, Houston, in your case, uh, those, those build bonds with people all around us because we're together in the stands, you know, during the game, we're together in the stands cheering for those people. The untold stories is the flights with those groups there, the, the, Uber. Un, the Uber trips that we have, the pizza, the random breweries that we find, the hotels that we do or do not stay in because of exterior doors, Dana. There's all kinds of little moments that we have that bring us closer. You know, in, in your case, we, we did these awesome trips and everything, but we also, we hang out in the nebula and we spend hours upon hours talking about important to us at the moment ideas that may or may not be, but, but, but those, you know, those bonds come. And so part of this SG, the part of, part of uh, being a local is this idea of we are 
two, what was the number you told me today? 260? 275. Two, okay, there were 275 people into a family, whether those 275 people know it or not, that we are going to spend probably, you know, this is generic, but every other Saturday together in Toronto Stadium for the foreseeable future, bonding and having moments. And the bond in the game is going to be great, but the bond at the tailgate before is going to be great. And the conversations that we have with people after the game is going to be great. And, and the getting together on a Wednesday because we're collecting shoes is going to be great. And, 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 and painting TIFOs and selling merch and doing all the stuff that we're talking about is going to build those bonds. And that's what keeps people coming back. And it, kind of how I closed episode one was, you know, if, if you're just one person, the one person that joined alone because they want, they love soccer and they want to support it. You guys made the right decision. If you're listening and you haven't done that yet, but you think you want to do it. You know, like I said, my first trips on that, on those bus trips, I did alone. My first trips to O'Brien's was alone. Yeah, and I, nervous. and look at the family that I've grown since. Um, You'll only be alone for maybe right. 20 minutes. You will make your best friend. Like I, I promise you, there are people like you out there. And I, I swear, uh, take that leap, come out there, shake some hands, have some beers, um, do some shots and have some fun. Okay. So I got, <laughs> I got one funny story. And this one's relatively PG for you. It was my f first or maybe my second. We were going to Carson for a Camp Cupcake game. So it must have been January, February. This is American Outlaws. And we were up to, you know, I can't remember if we were playing Iceland or Canada or it was, it didn't matter who it was. But the bus left O'Brien's at like, I want to say it was an eight o'clock departure on a Saturday. And I, you know, I got up early enough. I was dressed, ready to go. And I'm blindly driving my car up to O'Brien's. And I got to the Convoy Kearney Mesa area. And I'd never been to that part of town at 7.30 in the morning before. And it was a fucking ghost town. And so, like, my regular plan of, like, following the traffic pattern to where O'Brien's was got all messed up. And I got all turned around backwards. And I'm like, oh, God. I, and I'm like, I remember I'm like on the surface street looking at the street sign going, I don't know where I am right now and I don't know how to get to O'Brien's and the bus is leaving in five minutes. And in my car I have, because I was going with Chris Garcia, I have two, two Starbucks and four McDonald's sandwiches and I'm going to miss the damn bus. And Chris is sending me texts and I'm trying to drive and pay attention and I can't figure out where the hell I'm going. And I, I pull up my car and I park in the lot and I get on I'm the last person on the bus. And this was like maybe the third or fourth social thing I'd done with the San Diego Outlaws, right? I get on the bus and I've got this coffee tray and sandwiches. And there's 50 people who have been like tapping their watches waiting for me. And I'm looking for like Chris who told me, hey, I'm on the bus. I saved you a seat. But when I get on the bus, he's hiding. And there's 47 other people who were like, the fuck is this guy doing? What the hell? Did you bring sandwiches for everybody? And like, honestly, I like just started passing out my food on my way back. And we got, we, I got to my seat next to Chris and I didn't have either one of the Starbucks I'd bought or any of the sandwiches. I had like a half of a hash brown and I was just like, oh shit, man, that's really embarrassing. I'm really sorry I did that. And he looks at me and he goes, well, don't worry, dude. The seat behind us has the cooler in it. There's plenty of beer. We're on our way. And I was like, okay. And I was in and like, there was, that was it. I mean, I got a ration of shit for about 15 feet on the, from the front of the bus to my seat, but I got nothing, no other bad vibes from those people the whole rest of the ride. We were just having a great time. We were singing. All the good songs, and there's some great bus stories to Carson that all get mixed together. But yeah, so the, kind of my first introduction to these people was like, I'm sorry I made you wait. And to them, it looked like, I, for the record, I already had the Starbucks and the McDonald's. I bought those in Chula Vista before I got lost. But to them, it looked like I made them all wait because I was like, you know, in the fast food line. I'm a Mr. Starbucks man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Plus, I'm a hoi polo. I mean, I'm a fucking high school teacher. I buy Starbucks like once every six fucking months, and here I am, this first friend. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Or Starbucks, I got a coffee pot in my classroom. That's what it's there for. That's awesome. 
Uh, all right. So we're going to end it up because we're running out of time. Uh, but it, it basically, to kind of like close it up, and I think it was very well kind of put. If, if you haven't been paying attention, it's basically what we're building here is not just a supporter group. It is way more than that. It is a family. Yes, one. Absolutely. It is a family that is going to give back to the community. So not only are you doing something good, you're also building a family and you're going to be able to have these stories to tell your it's it's one of those things that like it, it just <clears throat> it's the reason why i love supporter culture as much as i do it is not only are you building a family but you're gonna build stories and you're gonna have so many stories that you're gonna be uh a part of with this family that you're gonna be able to tell your grandchildren and, and yeah. it's it's crazy now Even when we disagree it's gonna be a great story later here's the thing tom you that that this is just a couple of stories this out is of like the hundreds of hundreds right so that's the crazy part of all of this is like it, it, Th there are is, some stories there's going to be some stories and and with that being said uh, it, the microphone is being, being pulled away from me Go. i was going to say the, <laughs> the only thing i want to add to that is that it's a different it's a different space than what you've been used to yeah. if you're a fan of who i root for or to tom roots for or who anyone roots for this is different. This is 2020. We have a chance to build something that's different than whatever football culture you've ever seen before. Yeah. So if you're a fan of, hey, I'm a traditionalist. I like seeing it the way I've seen it before. It's great. That's cool. Cause show up. Do it the way you want to do it. But at the same time, this is a reimagining. We have a chance. It's a brand new start. Let's we can do it. It is different. a brand new start. It'll be what we want it to be. We don't have to do it the way they did it before. That's what I'm saying. Is like yeah. what's what's so beautiful here is like even kids ten years from now who want to do it differently than the way we're doing it. That's what's beautiful about this. It's different. We don't have to be unencumbered by the past. Like so many clubs are hindered by their past. We don't have to be. San Diego has so much history of pain, some of greatness, but a lot of pain. We don't have to feel that. We can be everything that we want to be. Yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Well, and at the same time, we're building the foundation, right? And so I think the way that I'm pursuing this, and I think that you guys can see it now, especially now bringing it full circle into the fact that we are here at a baby shower for baby broke up. A new life. A beautiful new life. Who happens to be member number 11? 11. A baby, new local. My he'll friend. never know. 2019 he'll never know the last decade he'll only know 2020 yes. and beyond and this season and this life he'll only know life with the locals and the loyal bryce gets to walk into something that's, that we've created that's what i'm saying how is crazy is that? how the world that he's gonna live in that we're gonna live in had pro soccer in san diego how, he was born yeah. yeah how it's a different world so how do we make that world different than what we've seen before in a better way yeah. that's all i'm saying it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be worse, but how do we make it better? How do we make it different in a better way? Awesome. All right. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. We're going to close it up. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just say for Mr. Tom Phillips, yeah, the director. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, guys. Director of philanthropy for Mr. Trustek, the vice president, and for Mr. Steve Brokoff. And for my future son, Brokoff. Bryce. And most importantly. We love you, Bryce. For Bryce who uh, will be joining us very soon. <laughs> We're very, very much excited uh, for season number one because he's going to be there with his uh, little baby he's headphones. the youngest founding <laughs> member. Yeah. The little oh, yeah. the little locals. Uh, no, thank you for joining us for another episode. Uh, we will bring you very many more of these. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be as many. 
Well, Tom will still be here. I, I just don't think there's going to be as much tequila as there is right now. There, is, there will never... There's already not as much tequila. I Holy promise God. you there will... Uh, okay, the next episode we reach this much tequila should be like episode 100 because it's a lot of tequila. When we're, when, when we're doing our look back at what we managed to pull off. Darren <laughs> Smith would blush at this amount of tequila. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for joining he's a, us. He's a tequila fan. That's it. You're listening to the, uh, the Loyal Locals podcast. Thank you, everyone. Uh, have a great night, day, whatever, wherever you're listening. The president said it's time for a shot, so it's time for a shot, everyone. All right, that's it. We're going to call it. Love you guys. Thank Cheers. you. Bye. Bye.